0: 365, sixty-six. Three Sixty-six... Three hundred and sixty-six days of not drinking. We're asking some big questions about why we drink so much.
1: Drinking has been at the heart of our friendship for the past five years, and now you're trying to ruin it.
0: Welcome to Wet and Dry, a podcast about male drinking culture, sobriety, midlife crisis and friendship.
1: I'm Matt, and like a post-storm Dennis-flooded West Country village, I'm very wet.
0: And I'm Jeff. Currently, thirty-nine days into a year of not drinking, and currently bone dry. Now, mm. this might be a slightly longer podcast than normal this week, mostly because I have to say the name of where we are. <laughs> we are at the Royal London Hospital, which is part of Queen Mary University of London. We are at the Barts and the London Medical School, and the building we're in is the Blizzard Institute. It's
1: not the Rose and Crown, <laughs> is it? <It's> not. <laughs>
0: Jeez! (laughs) So there is a reason we are here, and I know as I've been on holiday, I left you in charge of guest booking for today. Find us someone professional who can talk to me about the medical impact of my not drinking over the last forty days. So sounds like you've done some incredible work. How are we here?
1: I rang my brother. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, if we stop this podcast now and we did one of those online polls about which one of us would have a brother who's a professor at that massively long title. <laughs> I'm saying I'm struggling to get 5% of the votes. You're getting all of them. But it's not true. My brother is Professor Daniel Payne, and he doesn't want to come on the podcast. I mean, I don't actually know what he does. When people ask, I say he pisses around with test tubes. But on his door, <laughs> it says he's a professor of immunobiology. Every family, I think, has has a role don't it the people the kids in the family have a role you get the sporty one the good looking one dan was the intelligent one and i was a thick one and we took to those roles very early i always remember i'm just going to give a quick story out now when i knew that our futures would take very different paths we were in primary school at a school called gate valley daniel was in year five and he was called in by the headmaster and they said look we've got nothing else to teach you. You've done all the work. You've done all the extra work. We can't give you anything else. We want you to go to secondary school a year early. Almost at the exact same time, my teacher, Mrs Ingram, was sticking a giant four to my desk because I hadn't quite mastered how to draw it. Now, bear in mind, there's only a year school year between us. I think I'm showing just how genetics can throw up some very strange combinations. So, yeah, my brother is a professor. I am not. But he has kindly brought us in here and got us a consultant. <laughs> I don't couldn't say it properly. We'll find out later. <clears throat> to talk to us about all the things you asked me to.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Excellent work. Glad that while I was in Valencia not drinking, the podcast was still in safe hands. On Valencia. Should we do Valencia? Actually, what? before we get to Valencia yeah uh thank you to everybody who's left us a five star review this is still officially a five star podcast 100 percent of reviews so far five very star, good which is not a challenge please don't ruin it but if you have enjoyed the podcast please go onto to apple Podcasts and leave us and a also review. if you
1: could pass it on to someone else a colleague at work a friend in the pub someone who you think would like it that's how we grow that's how we get better um I actually got a review myself this week. Specifically
0: for you? Well, I don't it was, know whether to be offended yet or not.
1: <laughs> well, it, it came into my direct mail on Twitter because you've been pushing it on Twitter and you yeah. put things on. And it was from Mark in Epsom.
0: Mark Owen in Epsom.
1: <laughs> that's what I thought <laughs> at first. Maybe it was. So, so Mark said, loving the podcast, finding it really entertaining. Jeff, you have a voice like a radio presenter. Matt, you sound like one of Prince Philip's friends. I don't know if that's good or bad. It yeah, works both ways. <laughs> I mean, am I posh? Am I Greek? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. As you insults
0: can, go, that's really specific.
1: It, it is, isn't it? So I didn't know whether he meant it, oh, hey, you want a Prince Phillips mate, or oh, you want a Prince it's mate? I don't know. But anyway, thank you for listening, Mark, and, and please carry on. I'm sorry, I sound like Prince Phillips friends.
0: You know, any review welcome. Any so, review, uh, welcome. thank you very much. And have you had any correspondence from Guy Ritchie this week? <laughs> <sighs>
1: I did actually send him the pod. I don't know if you saw him. Do you follow him on Twitter? Yes. Did you see that he was in his his pub or something or other this week? The
0: last I saw he was in a bottling factory bottling his beer that he brews.
1: And he was doing some sort of interview in his pub as well, so he was around. Anyway, I sent him the link to the podcast saying you're heavily featured in this, and I love him, and I'd love to come to his pub to do an episode and maybe having on. And you know what? He hasn't got back
0: yet. A place is always set for you, Guy.
1: (laughs) I'm getting closer. I mean, and if anyone out there does know Guy, please put it to him. We've got to get Guy on.
0: (laughs) We've slid pretty quickly from you're a mate of Guy's and can get him on the podcast (laughs) to does anybody know Guy Richard?
1: It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Anyway, back to uh, Valencia.
0: Yes. So if you listened to the first podcast, you will know. It was one of my concerns for getting through the year was especially those periods when you go on holiday that you've sort of earned the right to have a drink when you go on holiday and it was the one thing I thought I would really miss possibly to the point of not enjoying my holiday because I would want to drink I'm on holiday and I I might ruin it for myself so we had agreed that one of my rules was I had a a sort of free voucher for a drink while I was on holiday one drink and one drink only very specifically, the scenario that I thought I would. would paella, get to me. wasn't it? Yeah. So we went to Valencia, which is famously the home of Paella. And every time I've had a <laughs> Paella, I would want a glass of wine with it. So that's where I was going. See, to normally
1: Valencia. around this time, I would ask you the question I always ask is, are you still dry? Which, I mean, if you don't say yes, it kind of ruins a podcast. However, Jeff. When you went on Friday, and for those of you who can't see, I'm holding up an envelope with the name Jeff on it, I wrote what I think you would have done on your holiday. I sealed it in have. front of a live studio audience. <laughs> I am now passing it over to you now. This is my prediction about what you did on your mucky weekend over the Valentine's weekend in Valencia. Uh,
0: this has turned into like a, a Darren Brown special. LAUGHTER oh.
1: Like a rubbish version of the Oscars. Here we go. He has opened the envelope.
0: (laughs) So uh, it reads, due to Jeff's pious nature and love of self-deprivation, he will not have partaken... In a drink in Valencia.
1: Am I right? You're
0: absolutely spot
1: I knew it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I had quite a lot to drink. They were all followed by the digits 0.0. <laughs> uh, what I will say, I enjoyed not drinking in Valencia. It wasn't. It wasn't a pain. Uh, so this, I, w- my home I was
1: going to ask you this question, yeah, only because I was on Twitter the other day um and i came across a thread someone i'd never follow but it was a friend that had posted up there i'll give him the credit it's darb a it so d-a-r-b-a-y-i-t and this is his thread some great beers the airport beer the kitchen beer while she's getting ready the hotel balcony 7 p.m beer straight to the pub from work beer sunday afternoon beer garden beer and the Friday before Christmas beer. Now, this thread goes on, and I think there's an episode in there on its own, and we should probably try and get this Derby, at, if that's the right Which way on there. Which of those have
0: I missed most? Which
1: were those of you missed most? But what I did notice was three, two, definitely, maybe three relate to holidays. The airport beer, the hotel balcony beer, even the beer while she's getting ready beer i mean for me one of the best beers i like is when i've arrived somewhere the first hotel bar or the first bar we stop in when we've kind of got out or exploring they're very specific to holidays
0: yeah there was probably i did have beers in most of those occasions they were just alcohol free and the best example, I think, is on the Sarveza flight...
1: son's enjoyment. <laughs>
0: yeah, Cervetha sin is sin. apparently the, uh, the way of ordering it. On the plane home, you know, end of the holiday, it was about 10 o'clock at night, and I ordered a Heineken blue. And the air stewardess that I got it from was, like, genuinely shocked. She went, oh, uh, that's the first one of those I've ever served. And... I was like, whatever? Well, since it was added to the menu.
1: What what airline were you flying with? (laughs) EasyJet. Of course you are. (laughs) Uh, No one goes on EasyJet drinking non-alcoholic lager. But
0: I asked her and she said it's four months since it was put on the menu. You
1: are doing a series of firsts, aren't you? Yeah, you, you were the first person at White Hart Lane, I think, ever to get a non-alcoholic judging, judging drink. by the reaction. Judging that by the reaction yeah. of the barmaid, who clearly didn't know that they had it in stock, yeah. you went to Lords and you drunk them dry of non-alcoholic lager by having how many bottles?
0: Two. Yeah. Two.
1: <laughs> so, and now on the EasyJet plane, you are the first person because George from Brentford, he's not having non-alcoholic lager. Yeah.
0: I think, she, I think she checked the expiry date. <laughs> uh, so definitely the plane home. Definitely when we went out for the pilot, but I had a, a non-alcoholic beer with that. Definitely end of the day, you put the kids to can bed. I, can in I the ask apartment. one other
1: question? Because And it's kind of setting up for another episode. And I don't know if you want to do this. I'd love to get your wife on. I would love to get your wife on the podcast. The reason is I feel annoyed at you at times when you're not having drinks. I don't have to go on holiday with you, live all the time with you. Do you think it affected her enjoyment of the holiday? I'd also like to know, future on, does it affect her day-to-day enjoyment? Because there are things when, when you do drink, you know, I'm not talking about drinking loads, I'm talking about little drinks, such as on holiday in a beautiful city like Valencia. Do you think it affected her enjoyment?
0: As you say, there's. We'll, we should definitely do a whole uh, episode for this. But my wife definitely apologised whenever she did order a drink. So there is still... <laughs> an element of guilt, I think, from her that I'm choosing not to drink and and she's doing it in front of me. So when we did go for the paella, and obviously that was a very specific example.
1: Friday or Saturday night?
0: Monday night, I think it was. Monday, okay. Uh, Monday night, uh, and she said, I really want a drink of mine. Do you mind? I think you're not going to have one. Do you mind if I
1: have one? Because I think you're infecting people. Because, (laughs) I mean, we were talking about this earlier, the WhatsApp group I've set up with all our friends...
0: Booze. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, Saturday night when you were in there, I, my night didn't go as well as I thought it would do.
0: I'm on that group. I was in Valencia and probably every couple of minutes I was getting an update from your night out.
1: I even made out that it was both my birthday and my 50th. <laughs> Uh, which both aren't true, and still only one person turned up and we had to gatefresh someone else's party. So I'm thinking that you're infecting, it's infecting around. Well, we
0: did go out since the last podcast. We were both at something and there were definitely, I wasn't the only person drinking non-alcoholic so were we were, a f- we
1: were at our 50th birthday of a, a joint friend of ours. You were no way on your own of a person who wasn't drinking what interestingly enough, and I don't think this is anything to do with it, I hardly spoke to you all night. <laughs> now, I don't know is that just because we've been spending a lot of time together or just my natural kind of fun sensor came out and I realised <laughs> that talking to you would drop that down, so I moved away. But I hardly spoke to you all night, but what I did notice were people were generally interested in it yeah, and you weren't the only person who wasn't drinking.
0: Yeah, there were definitely other people, and I don't know whether I've just got a heightened sense of noticing that at the moment. I can definitely spot a Heineken blue bottle from about 50 paces away. It's like
1: a booze gaydar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. So, yes, the
0: Valencia trip, I tried quite a few. I made a note of all the... I went to a supermarket and basically bought one of everything. But I tried the Estrella Sin. I tried the San Miguel Zero, San Miguel Radler Zero. What's which Radler? Is horrible is what it is. <laughs> it's, it's lager and sugar syrup and lemon juice. It's like lager meets hooch off of the 90s. It's horrible. Um, San
1: Miguel Radler sounds like someone from Essex who's had their kid in Spain. (laughs) I
0: can see San Miguel Radler having a market in Essex. Amstall Zero. Uh, Shandy, you got written down there. Shandy, which was the only one I felt bad about drinking. I, I don't know why. There was a bit of me that felt, I think, like Shandy is cheating. It's like having a pint followed by six pints of lemonade. It felt wrong. So overall, I think not drinking on holiday didn't ruin my holiday I think that's my headline from it I had a concern that all of those times when you would normally have a drink I might actually ruin my own holiday by not drinking on.
1: That. but you didn't I
0: didn't you know we had a great time in Valencia Valencia is a wonderful city I learnt a fair bit about myself and my not drinking so a uh, successful experiment
1: I think okay first challenge completed
0: yeah apart from just finding out some things about myself One of the reasons for doing this is I've turned 40. I should probably accept that middle age has arrived. I should live a little bit cleaner. I think it's probably fair to say. I should stop the regular pickling of my organs. And having any fun? 39 days into doing this so far. So I'd quite like to know now, at this stage, what effect has this already had on my body? And with the other 11 twelfths of this experiment still to go, what could be the outcome? And maybe, I guess, that might lead into a decision of whether I carry this on past the end of the year, but I know that's a subject you don't want to talk about just yet. So, Matt, I left the guest booking up to you. I think I've got a cracker. And your brother. I think Uh, I've
1: got a cracker. I managed to get us Dr. Will Alazawi, a consultant hepatologist... I mean, one of the best. Everyone was delighted when I said I got him in the studios. I mean, this is this is champion league, Champions League type stuff. It's not like my brother. This top quality guest. This so Doctor Will is in the in. So uh, we'll have a chat. I'll
0: I'll be honest. When I said I'm going away for a bit, can you book a doctor of some sort? What I was expecting was a GP, yeah, a local GP, like a a South London (laughs) GP. No.
1: Can I call you Dr. Will? You can call me Will, you can call me whatever you like. I prefer to call you Dr. Will. That's honest. absolutely fine. Before
2: we start, I must say that my South London GP colleagues are absolutely superb <laughs> and I won't have a word <laughs> said against them. But in fact, I live in South London and my GP is absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to start by disagreeing with you on that.
1: Tell you what, you have a very good doctor's voice. Do doctors I? Doctor's voices and pilot's voices yes. are very important. That's what I want when I'm going to my doctor, great doctor's voice.
2: I was told that I'm not going to be stitched up when I come on this podcast. I think already... <laughs> (laughs) I feel the needle and thread coming out but never mind let's how can I help
0: let's start with if you could explain what a consultant hepatologist is
2: okay so what that means is that I'm a doctor I work in a hospital and I look after people with liver diseases um, I look after people with a full range of liver diseases as it happens, my interest is particularly people who've got a fatty liver, and that may be related to a number of things. We may or may not come on those in a bit. I'm also an academic, which means I run a research group here in the Blizzard Institute. I think that's how you found me. I'm yep. entirely sure you trawled every single one. and uh, was necessarily a You court, were my number one choice. Uh, w- within this building. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think it was geography. Dr. Driven. Joe's on holiday. You had Dr. Will in. <laughs> exactly. Anyway,
0: so I work in a hospital look after folk with liver disease. Okay, so it's 39 days since I last had a drink. I'm not a massive drinker, but a regular drinker. Okay, We worked out... We've been drinking for about four years together. I reckon we've drunk 100 gallons together in that time. I don't know whether you measure people's alcohol consumption in gallons medically, if if that's a normal thing. So the gallon
2: year is not a standard unit of alcohol (laughs) consumption. Um, So let's try and break that down, then, because... In order to understand where you are in that sort of, whether you're drinking within recommended limits, a sort of relatively healthy amount, or whether it's just a little bit harmful or whether actually this is something that you've done the right thing by stopping for, let's try and break that down into units. So what do you drink? Specifically when we are together, yes. it's,
0: it's lager in large quantities. Okay. So, so ha- a, a night out for the <laughs> two of us is usually somewhere in the region of seven or eight.
1: Seven or eight pints, pints maybe pints. a couple of shorts at the end. Okay. And
0: that's, uh, that's probably been once a week for four years. Okay. And then I probably top that up with some at-home drinking, which is where we differ, actually. I
2: don't drink at home. Okay. The levels are s- uh, that we advise patients to stick to are levels below which we know that alcohol-related harm is very rare. And above which you can't be certain that there isn't alcohol-related. Harm. It
1: seems really low. Isn't it like six pints or six glass of wine? So I would say I'd turn that around. Actually,
2: I'd say it's the fact that our perception of what a normal drink is has changed.
0: A glass of wine certainly wasn't a third of a bottle, well, which exactly. it regularly that's is. That's where though. I'm going. Okay, this.
2: cool. That's where I'm going. So if you go into a wine bar now, you have to ask for a small, not to get uh, to a third of yeah, a, yeah. a. And that's because we are. At the end of the day, people who make alcoholic drinks, it's an industry. So the more we consume, you know, the more they'll sell. So I think that it's our perception of what normal is that's changed, not that our bodies have suddenly become less resilient to the amount of alcohol we drink. So let's go back to the original question, the number of units. So let's say eight pints. A pint of normal strength, 5% lager is 2.6 units. So eight times 2.6 20 units. Yeah. A short, is it a single or a double? Let's say it's two singles at the end of the night. So that is 22 units. That's one night. You say you might do that twice a week, that's 44. If there's a drink at home in addition, well, you know what, you can top that up. A bottle of wine is nine units.
0: Yeah, but a couple of glasses of wine and maybe
2: a gin and tonic. So the recommended limit is 14 units of alcohol a week. And that's a limit, not a target. So you're not trying... (laughs) It's it's not that... Sorry, that's, that's not, meant to be as, not meant to be as facetious as it yeah. sounds. There's two elements to that. One, you know, what we consider to be the stuff we should... You know, what's a regular amount of drinking has increased. And secondly, that target tells us be, the level below which actually harmful drinking is we're unlikely to see direct harm.
1: Why is it bad for the liver? Why is yeah. alcohol bad? Because like you say, I feel fine when I drink. and yeah. Apart from a bit of a hangover the next day, which I kind of work out that I'm a little bit dehydrated... I don't yeah. actually know what it's doing to my yeah. liver that makes it so harmful. What does it do?
2: Well, so the alcohol, the ethanol, I'm uh, going to stop short of a chemistry lesson because I think that's going <laughs> you you, to send you down the charts, <laughs> yeah. not up the charts. Alcohol, ethanol, goes into the liver. And it goes into the liver because everything that goes in the top end, you eat or drink or take, because of the way we're plumbed, Everything that goes in has to go through the liver before it then goes to the rest of the body, right? So everything from the, the stomach and the gut drains into the liver. So it all goes to the liver. So the alcohol component, the liver, breaks down. And it breaks down through a series of chemical reactions that the people who are avidly listening to this as a distraction from their A-level chemistry revision will know very well goes through different stages. Yeah. It's those intermediates that can change the the molecules, the bits and pieces inside liver cells, and they would do it to any cell, it's just that it's going to the liver first. So the breakdown products of the alcohol damage the workings of each individual cell, therefore each individual cell can become damaged. If that continues, then eventually that cell will need to be replaced because it's no longer functioning. So there's a certain amount of alcohol that the liver can handle properly, that those shuttling systems but once
1: you get over that level it's done
0: so two obvious questions arising Mm -hmm. from this you mentioned once that cell is broken it would need to be replaced yeah how long does that process need to take it's 39 days as i mentioned since i last have a drink yeah have i done as much good to my body in 39 days this is a
1: really good question because i have an argument there's a girl a mum, in when i do drop off and we had this argument the other day she's doing 100 days not drinking I don't know, someone once told me that the liver is really good at replenishing itself, like the tongue is or something like that. And I was told 48 hours it's back to good. She said six weeks she needed. Someone else then came in and said, oh, no, I've heard it's two months. No one was arguing. Everyone had just heard different things. And is, is your liver now back to a healthy 14 yeah, it's, it's year old liver? It's the rest of this
2: 10 months that I've got. And pointless. is it going to get any better from that? The answer to that really depends on how damaged the liver was going into a period of abstinence. I mean, the reality is you don't know until you've checked. Really? So the nice guidance is that if you drink more than 35 units a week if you're a woman and 50 units if, a week if you're a man, so kind of at the sort of level that we're talking about, yeah. then you should probably have some kind of assessment as to whether or not you've got scarring in the liver. So when we talked about oh cells word. that are not being damaged by the alcohol and the breakdown products of the alcohol and needing to be replaced, if you exceed that capacity, then it is possible that the liver may scar. Dying liver cells aren't replaced quickly enough, and mm-hmm. that gap where a normal cell was needs to be taken up by some scar tissue. And once you've started to lay down scar tissue we call that fibrosis, that can develop and that can progress. And so you get a bit more and a bit more still and a bit more again. Now, the old word for an extensive, a very advanced stage of that fibrosis, that scarring, is called cirrhosis. But it's all a spectrum that starts with those early fibrotic changes, those early bits of scar tissue. Now, not everybody who drinks the same amount will end up with the same amount of scarring. There are other cofactors, so it may be your general health. It may be what you're eating. It may be. Well, unfortunately, we know that it's your social, economic determinants of how much your liver will progress. So that's why it's very difficult to hear. Yeah, this many units, this old, and that much time
1: off
0: doesn't really tell us that. Can I ask you about the word
2: tolerance? Mm -hmm.
0: Because this may just be urban myth that the more you drink, the more tolerant to alcohol you become. And certainly, you know, I would, I would certainly go into a first night of drinking after a year off with some trepidation that I probably have lost some of that tolerance. What are we talking about when we use that word tolerance
2: with alcohol? Well, it's difficult to know exactly because we don't do those studies uh, very frequently. But what I guess what you're describing is whether or not you're going to get drunk from the first time you go back to drinking so why do you get drunk well you get drunk because of the same intermediate effect same breakdown products Absolutely. The alcohol. See that? i
1: was going to ask this question yeah. i don't know why you get drunk because
2: of an, a direct effect on the brain right it's the alcohol affecting the brain right and so the function of the brain is impaired so that's why even and that's
1: where the feeling of getting drunk comes from
2: yeah and that's why even after one drink your judgment can be impaired I always say this whenever I'm asked about alcohol I always make sure I get in the fact that you shouldn't really drive at all if you've had anything to drink because your judgment can be impaired. So in terms of tolerance it's about the rest of your body responding to that same amount of alcohol. What it doesn't necessarily mean is that you are more or less likely to be damaging internal organs Mm. like the liver, the pancreas or whatever else it may be. I'm interested
0: in If, say, I had alternate months where I didn't drink anything, Mm -hmm. would that be any better than just drinking 50% of what I was drinking the
2: whole year? I mean, I think that's very difficult to answer from an evidence-based point of view. So I guess it's just my opinion then. And I think, the again, it's always worth going back a step. So can you drink to a lower amount? Do you think that in your – if I'm allowed to ask a direct question – if you go back to not being you know in quotation marks off alcohol do you think it is feasible for you to go out with your mates and do all the things that you want to do watch all the sports you want to watch which by the way is now also tied up with having lots of beer as well Mm -hmm. um could you do that within
0: 14 units a week no interestingly i think i could at at the end of this experiment Similarly, with the sugar thing, I found it easier to reset to zero and then build it back up yeah. than I would to find it to ease off the throttle and get back to sort yeah. of halfway. So I can foresee a future where if I choose to start drinking again, I might alternate between alcoholic and non-alcoholic or drink halves or, you know, maybe not drink at home but only drink out and change...
1: So it's what you're saying, I may have got this wrong, that drinking... Spread out underneath the recommended level while you're going out would probably be just as good or just as healthy as giving up drinking for the year.
2: I think it's personal choice. And it's how people want to go about their fitness, if you want to call it, their health regime. So some people like to have a thing that they're doing and then they're not drinking for a certain amount of time. You know, next week is Lent. A lot of people give up alcohol for Lent. Whether it's for health reasons or religious reasons, it doesn't really matter. That's people's individual choice. And I think that's really important that people have that choice. So I wouldn't say to somebody who said to me actually, do you know what, I'm going to give up alcohol for a year and say there's anything wrong with that. Equally, I'm not going to say to somebody who says, I'm going to moderate it down, given the advice that we've talked around this afternoon. So I wouldn't necessarily call it one way or the other. What I would say is that this is an opportunity to look at all those other elements that relate to our health and maybe start to think about what we consider normal. You know, not just in terms of the amount of alcohol we drink, but how active we are how much uh, exercise we're taking in the week and whether really that's a healthy amount, what's our diet like, how much sugar are we consuming, how much carbohydrate, you know, what about all the societal things that are around us? I'm about to get on my soapbox now, but the environment that we live in, the marketing environment that we are subjected to makes us change our behaviour in a way that actually we may not otherwise have done. It's no coincidence that the rates of obesity your likelihood to be obese is much higher and is related to for example the number of fast food outlets between where you live and where you work or study that's not a coincidence
0: thank you very much for your time I know, thank you um, so much I, I guess my final question would be medically mm. what is the benefit for me from not drinking for the next 10 months
2: i guess it goes back to from a liver point of view whether or not there's been any liver damage already so I think if there has been minimal liver damage then not drinking for a year is going to have well you're not going to get any more it'll certainly give the liver a good lengthy rest that's great it's going to have a positive impact on other health issues so Cardiovascular risk is going to go down, risk of having heart disease, strokes, etc., will probably reduce. There is a story of a minimal amount of alcohol being beneficial. That Yay! what they call J-shaped curve. Beneficial. But it's not they'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll
0: edit out the other forty five minutes. absolutely that's, yeah, all yeah, <laughs> that's all that's all there is.
2: Um sleep, skin, hydration, all of that sort of stuff. Mental health. I think all of those are beneficial. Is it necessary? Probably not. When we think about people at the other end of the spectrum, people whose liver is so bad that we need to think about a liver transplant, then the sort of bar that we put is we say that we want people to see abstinence for six months before they're allowed to go on the transplant list. The reason for that is twofold. One, to sort of help with the psychosocial support to help people stop drinking. That's a slightly different issue but also I've seen people with really bad liver disease recover sufficiently within six months that we don't need to think about the transplant anymore. That doesn't mean they're going to end up with a baby's liver again after that time, but it might just mean that they're not going to progress and there's enough of a change in habit. I think you're in a very evidence-free zone. So you've made a choice. You've decided you're not going to drink for a year. certainly going to fuel the podcast for the year, and that's really good. And if you feel better for it, then good luck to you. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, and i don't think it's necessarily any better than drinking within recommended limits nor that a year is better than 9 months or 15 months is better but i think it's a personal choice and i think it's really important that you have the ability to make that personal choice and looking over at your chum i'd say you should support his personal choice <laughs> i'm saying what, he has got his I'm personal basically choice.
1: what dr will saying is you're a mug <laughs> 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 anyway Thank you so much for coming on. That was absolutely fantastic.
0: Whoa. Okay, so it's just the two of us now. Uh, Will has left. Dr Will. Dr Will has left. And Professor Dan has actually left
1: (laughs) us in his office now as well. We've left left behind Um, only people without titles. I
0: think they have serious things to go and do. As your brother just left, he did say, uh, you know, the people here are quite important. They've just cured hepatitis C next door. (laughs) So I
1: thought that was really interesting, but I'll tell you what. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. I'm, I'm kind of mind blown with it, but I've got to think about it.
0: I think I'm going to have another listen because I'm not sure. Or I understood everything
1: but very interesting I thought
0: Really interesting. I also come across as a bit of an alcoholic in that conversation. You
1: come over way more alcoholic than you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hi, mum. All right. <laughs> but, let's... yeah,
1: that was great. So thanks again to Dr. Will for doing that. Just very interesting about this whole thing isn't black no. and white. There are no... One of the things I was going to ask him was, can you give me three rules? Give the drinkers of this world three rules for good drinking. I don't think you can. No, I think if I've, if I've
0: learned anything from years of science documentaries and podcasts is that you never ask a doctor for a really simple rule because you know as he said there are billions of people on this planet and no two people are the same and it just doesn't work like that. so
1: um moving on from that
0: yeah so future podcasts i want to just mention some of the ones we're going to and i want to
1: mention something too
0: yeah i think you mentioned earlier on that we should speak to somebody who is pro pub
1: I think we've got to go pro-pub with this and the benefits on mental health and just society of people drinking in pubs. I feel like you've had a lot of ammo coming your way I've had very little.
0: Interestingly, speaking to the doctor was not necessarily as much ammo for me as I thought it was. Yeah, going to
1: no, be. I agree. I agree.
0: So in future episodes, we're going to speak to Janie Lee Grace, who you might recognise the name from Steve Wright's show on Radio 2. She runs something called Club Sober.
1: Like Club Tropicano, but, but not quite as good.
0: Uh, the, the drinks are free, but non-alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. So she advocates a, a sober lifestyle. Come I worked Janie. with Janie about 15 years ago. So looking forward to that. And we'll have a chat with her about how we embrace a sober society okay then we've also been invited your, somewhere haven't we street, I think we've been off.
1: invited on another school trip yeah Carlsberg HQ <laughs> hey! uh, so
0: Carlsberg have a new low no offering no, no. Uh, we are off to speak no, to no, no, no. their head of insights and innovation at that's Carlsberg. a good job
1: that that's another good title
0: that is a trip and also another author someone who calls himself the booze master but not in a way that you would enjoy so he He has given up alcohol. He has this. Year-long plan for how to give up alcohol, and by the way, of wouldn't evidence, be, that
1: wouldn't be his nickname if he hung out with me. <laughs> no, the uh, booze master is someone that's not given up alcohol.
0: Well, his story, he, and these are these are his words, that he went from being uh, an absolutely crippled alcoholic, and a year later he rode the route of the Tour de France. So maybe next January, I don't know, I'll be back <laughs> on my bike. So some of the episodes we've got coming up, I agree with you. I do think we need to. Speak but to I do think
1: next one we need to go with someone who's pro pub,
0: and I'll have a word with my wife to see if she wants to come on, <laughs> Definitely want her on there. so that is it for this podcast i guess we should finish by toasting my continued good liver health so cheers cheers all right a couple of bits of housekeeping did you know we have a website wetanddrypodcast.com if you want to contact us Perhaps you have a guest idea or a question you'd like to ask Matt or I, then get in touch. Or if you're a multinational drinks corporation looking to do a bit of CSR sponsorship, also that's the place to get in touch. Secondly, this is a serious note. Neither Matt nor I are medically qualified. That's our siblings. I mean, I did a first aid training course once, but that is it. So please, Matt nor I are qualified to give you any advice on giving up drinking. If that's
2: what you're after... Please go and see a GP.